You betcha. All right, we'll be in Matthew 5 if you want to turn there again. Good to see you guys here today. Some of you snuck in a back door when I had my back to you, so glad that you guys were here today. Before we begin, I would... Clarence, would you lead us in prayer? Clarence? Clarence, would you lead us in prayer? been in a series of the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are and whatever that comes to. And I just want to remind you of just a couple of things about the Beatitudes, okay? It is Jesus talking to his disciples and he's saying, this is what a true disciple of mine looks like. This is a description of a true disciple, And he's talking about an inner characteristic that that we as believers should have and that we should have and we need to continue to have. Uh, It's just that that spiritual well-being that he's talked about here. And as I was studying this, been studying this week, I I came across this little tidbit which I thought was really interesting. It just shows me the, the magnitude and the greatness of God's Word. Uh, it, it talked about that, that it, he was teaching the disciples, yes. But then the disciples were going to take this information and were going to go teach the people. And he said those groups of folks that he would be teaching to, this, these lessons, this beatitude, they were under a very heavy, strict government control, a very oppressive government control. They were living under excessive taxations. They were living under the idea that uh, many of your personal uh, freedoms were being taken away from you. And then it says they were persecuted for their faith. And I just, as I read that and thought about that, I go, whoa, time out. That kind of seems like what we're experiencing a little bit in America today. This was written 2,000 years ago for those folks, and it was written today for us because I think we would be able to relate to all four of those things just a little bit in our society. You know, God is so good, He teaches us what He wants us to know. You know, those folks, those folks needed a heavenly perspective, did they not? They needed something from heaven that says, this is, a, this is my perspective. They needed some eternal hope to hang on to as, as the oppression came and the persecution came and, and those freedoms that were being taken away from them. Jesus said, this is my perspective of whatever is going on. These are the kinds of things that I want you to possess in your life. You know, we, we talked about a definition of, of blessed. And we have said blessed or blessed that he starts nine of these with. Uh, we've talked about that as a spiritual joy. 
that, that uh, understands that, that it's a spiritual joy that whatever God wants to do in our lives, whatever circumstances we come across, whatever we deal with, we can still have this, this underlying joy that runs through us. We said that it could be happy. I mean, you could define blessed as happy. You could. But happy is not, not the best defin- definition of blessed. Because you see, happy depends on what happens. Okay? If something good happens, then we are happy. If something bad happens, we are not happy. It's very difficult to be happy when we lose a spouse, uh, we lose a job, uh, our kids go bad. We, we, that, those aren't happy things. Okay? But if we take the definition of blessed as being that spiritual joy and that spiritual well-bearing that, that we understand that brings contentment to us, that God loves us so much and that whatever happens in our life, whatever happens in our life, we know that God loves us and God's going to take that circumstance and he's going to make it for my good and for what? His glory. And that is a promise from Romans 8, 28. So no matter what happens in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, when we are blessed and we have that spiritual joy, that nobody can take away. It is not based on circumstances. It's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is contentment. We've looked at in the past couple of weeks to being a poor in spirit. Not poor, poor, pitiful me, but a, 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 a heart that says, uh, man, I am bankrupt before God. I, I, I can't give God anything. Said, I am lost without God. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And if we are poor in spirit, the Bible says the kingdom of God is our reward. We looked at those that mourn, okay? He said, that doesn't mean that we are sad and depressed all the time. He says, those that are mourn, he said, is a little bit different. He says, we mourn because of our sin, our present sin. We mourn over the fact that people are struggling. We mourn over the fact that there's a lostness in this world that when people die, they will be separated forever and forever. There is a mourning that takes place with personal tragedies. And the Bible says when we mourn like that, he says, we will be comforted. The Bible says he'll bring friends into our lives to comfort us during those very difficult times. But more important than, than friends bringing comfort to us, the Bible says God brings comfort to us. The Bible says he will heal the brokenhearted. He will bind up the wounds of those who are hurting. He will save those who are crushed. He hears the cries and his ears are toward those that are, that are hurting. And he says, if you're mourning because of that, he says, I'll bring you peace and I'll bring you healing like nobody else can. Only God can heal, truly heal a broken heart. And then last week we looked at what it meant to be gentle to be meekness. And we talked about that, that a, gentle, a gentle person is one who has himself under control. His mind and his heart and his speech and his actions and his urges all are under control. We, we talked about uh, a gentle person is a person who is humble before the Lord. Humble before the Lord and humble before men. Okay? A gentle person is one that is not easily provoked. Able to control themselves. A gentle person, we said, is a person who is very forgiving because they understand how much they have been forgiven by God himself. And then we said a gentle person is one that is very quiet before the Lord, that seeks the Lord, 
and seeks to know the Lord and draw closer to the Lord. And we said when that, is, when that happens, the reward is we inherit the earth. Those are all heart issues. The next one today, we're going to look at another heart issue, and it's Matthew 5, 6. And in Matthew 5, 6, it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be satisfied. You understand what hunger and thirst is. I mean, you know, I, I have to go mow sometimes. And, and there's times when I'll be mowing and I'll be working for an hour or two and sweat's pouring down off your face. And, and you know, you just can't wait to get a drink there. You just can't wait to, you know, guzzle that, that water or that Gatorade, whatever it is, because I just, I long to have that in my body. I thirst for that. I know this morning when I got up, I drank a cup of coffee and, and I could have eaten breakfast. I did a little bit, but I, could, I didn't have to. I could have taken it or leave it or whatever, you know, I just, but I knew if I didn't eat something uh, that by the time noon gets here, 1230, whenever I get through today, uh, I'd probably embarrass myself at the fellowship eating too many burgers. But, but the idea of I can either do it or I don't have to do it, okay? That is a picture of not being very hungry, not being very thirsty. When Jesus talks about hungering and thirsting, he's not talking about that. that it's something that we can take it or we can leave it. He is talking about something that is very serious as we pursue his, his righteousness. He, he will talk about the kind of hunger that we crave, that we desperately seek, that we fervently want. We have this passion. We want to have this, this hunger and thirst that it's not take it or leave it, but it is something that we have absolutely got to have in our lives. And he tells us this. He said, I want that kind of passion. I want that kind of hunger that you just absolutely have to have it. And that kind of thirst. And he says, that is what I'm talking about when, I, when I'm asking you to thirst for my righteousness. It's not a take it or leave it. It's not a half time maybe. It's not a suggestion. He said, if you're truly born again, I want you to have that much craving, if you would, for the righteousness of God. To live a holy and a righteous life. In Psalm 42, 2, he phrases it this way. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I thirst for God. Psalm 63, 1 says it this way. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land when there is no water. Psalm 143.6 says it this way. He says, I stretch out my hand to you. My soul longs for you in a parched land. What kind of picture do you get there? That is somebody who is desperate for the Lord. That is somebody that says, I long for you. My soul longs for your righteousness. It says, my soul yearns for you. I, I thirst for you. I seek you earnestly. I've just got to have you in my life. My, my soul thirsts again. And when Jesus talks about what it means to be hungry and thirsty, those are the kinds of things that he's talking about. That He wants us as believers to be able to pursue God 
that way. That it is so important that we have God in our life. What do we see in these verses? It is a heart that fervently seeks the Lord. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that He took our sins, okay? He took our sins. In exchange for our sins, He gave us His righteousness. And God says we are righteous, we are right before Him. Did you know that? But there's more to that righteousness. See, that righteousness says, I want you to pursue righteousness. You are right before God, he declares. But I want you to live a life that pursues that kind of righteousness. To pursue that, the, the things of God that I want you to pursue. I want you to be wholeheartedly coming after me, if you would. You know, the Bible says in Matthew six thirty three, Jesus puts it this way. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus said, you seek me, you seek my kingdom, you make me the priority. You make me the driving force in your life if you would. Don't put me second, third, fourth, or fifth. Put me at the top of your list of how you want to live. And the Bible said, all the rest of this will fall into place. I will take care of you. There's two parts of righteousness that we're going to quickly look at today. And, and, and the two parts is we, righteousness says that, that uh, we are righteous. And the second part, it says we do righteous things. We are righteous and we do righteous things. And so many times in our lives, we, we pick one that is a characteristic of us. We, we, we pick the righteous one to be righteous, to be right with God. And we choose not to do anything that spreads the kingdom of God. We don't choose to help or to serve mankind. Or sometimes we go to the other extreme that we, we do so much work for the Lord that we kind of forget what it means to live a holy and righteous and a sanctified life. Righteousness is not either or. The Bible says righteousness is both of those Combined. And we're going to look at that real quickly today. That kind of idea that righteous really is. And he tells us to do what with that? To pursue it with a hunger and a thirst that like no one else can do. You know, I think sometimes we have a false sense of security about what righteous really is. I, I think we, just, we don't really just get it. I think some people say, I have been saved... And that's good enough. I'm saved. I accepted Jesus a long time ago. I got baptized. I am good to go. And as they begin to live their life, they live their life not under obedience to God. They live their life not under submission to God. They live their life however they want to. They kind of do their own thing, if you would. Uh, they might come to church, they might not. I mean, it's, I, got, I got other priorities in my life, but I'm saved. And, but, but I still want to do life how I want to do life. I'm not willing to submit. But I got salvation. I got salvation. And I understand this lifestyle that I live, that, that, that I've been saved, but I don't really pursue a life of, of being right with God. I understand that's a, kind of a life of sin. I get that. 
And that it, it, it stops my fellowship, if you would. It stops me from, from being able to really communicate with my Lord. Because this sin, and we've talked about this numerous times. Sin stops the flow of blessings from, up, from this way to that way. We've talked about that. That, that sin stops that fellowship. And, and it's a person who says, I'm saved, but I'm not really interested in this fellowship with God. I'm going to do my own thing. I understand that. And I know, I know it affects me. But I'm saved and I'm going to do what I want to do. And they say, you know, I got the fire insurance. I got the, I got the, the, the ticket out of hell, if you would. But I am still going to live my life the way I want to live my life. And Jesus would say, what? That is not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. That is not pursuing the things of God. That is not a life that is set apart and, and sanctified. That does, it doesn't work. And Jesus said, that's not hungering and thirsting. That's, that's not putting me at the top of the food chain. That's not making me first in your life. And I would urge you, if that's, if that's, if that's kind of where you're at, you are not hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of God. It is pursuing a holy lifestyle. It is pursuing a sanctified, separated lifestyle. It is a lifestyle that says, God is the most important thing in my life. But so many of us think, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. And that's all the game is. And Jesus said, no, that's, that's not all the game. That's not being righteous. Some people believe that righteous acts, good works, are where it's at. We see people in the Christian community, even Christians believe that. I'm going to do a lot of good works. Nothing wrong with good works. I want you to do them. Okay? Many people in the secular world will tell you, and I've heard this numerous times, if I do enough good works, if my, the good things that I do are more than the things I do bad, I think he might just let me into heaven. I mean, I've heard that. I don't know how many times. My good works... Plus or minus, I might get into heaven. And this idea that, that my works have anything to do with me getting to heaven, of course, is completely false. And sometimes people, what they do is, is they, they put themselves into doing all the good deeds of this life. And, that, and, it, and they do that in order to mask, the cover up, the idea that they don't want to live a righteous life. You see what I'm saying? The, the, the deeds are where it's at, they would say. But I sure don't want to live a holy and a separate and a sanctified life. I don't want to do that. But I'll sure do all this stuff. I'll do anything I want it, I, that I need to do. I will be a moral person. Somebody needs something in my church, I'm going to do it. Don't mind doing it. I'm going to serve on every committee that I can get on because, because I want to work for the Lord. I want to do everything I can for the Lord. I want to help as many people as I can help. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Man, I want, I want everybody to serve. I want everybody to help. I want everybody to come. But you cannot, Christian friend, you cannot say, this is, makes me righteous. And you cannot say, because I do that, I don't have to live a holy and a sanctified life. That don't work. It's not one or other. It's not either or. If you want to be righteous for the Lord, if you want to pursue the Lord, you got to do both. You can't be a doer of righteousness and neglect being 
righteous. It just does not work that way. Jesus says, you must hunger and thirst after my righteousness. When we hunger and thirst after his righteousness, when we want to live a holy and a separate life, when we long to love and to serve other people, that's what Jesus has called us to do, is to be that kind of a person. Okay? And he says when that happens in your life, when that happens, when you hunger and thirst, when you crave me in your life, and you want to be a life that is separate from, from the world, sanctified by the world, and you want to do that, and you want to do the good works that he's called you to do, and you put those two together, Jesus says what? He says, then, he says, you will be satisfied. You'll be satisfied. Do you think he's talking about being satisfied physically? Well, maybe. Maybe. You know, the Bible says he's going to provide all of our needs according to riches and glory. So, Don, does that mean if I hunger and thirst and I crave the Lord and I just want to be a part of Him and I crave this righteousness that He's going to give me what I want? Mm, no, nah, probably not. Maybe He could. But you see, I think that satisfaction goes deeper than our physical needs. You see, I think the thing that we need more than anything, the thing that people need more than anything, is Jesus in their life. And I think that spiritual satisfaction comes from saying that I am going to fulfill every spiritual need that you have. You see, it's kind of a twist, isn't it? That doesn't make sense in our society, does it? And so many times as Christians we go, man, I wish God would sure fix my physical needs here. I, I mean, God, I'm doing all this for you, God. And I'm pursuing you and I'm doing all this good deeds. And God, I'd sure wish, wish you'd fix this and give me that. And, and as, even as Christians, we believe that. And that is our first thought. God, do something physically for me, please. And Jesus goes, yeah, I can do that. But there's something deeper. There's something more important. There's something bigger than just your physical well-being, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, Don. He said, it's all about your spiritual well-being. It's all about satisfying you spiritually because when push comes to shove, what is the most important thing that you have in your life? It is a spiritual life that you've given to God through Jesus Christ and His blood. You see, we depend so much on physical stuff and yet we do not think about near enough about the spiritual needs that we have. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be, boy, Don, look what I blessed you with, buddy. He's going to go, man, Don, you had this spiritual need that you said was very important to you, and it was, Lord. And guess what? I fulfilled that need. We've got to get out of the thinking that it's all about physical and we've got to flip our mind and say it's all about spiritual. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's not physically seeking, that is spiritually seeking, you see? We have to be fed spiritually. And the Bible says, when you want to know more about Jesus, 
I'm going to satisfy that desire. Did you know it? When you want to be obedient to my word and you have a hunger and a thirst for my word, to live by my word, he says, I'm going to satisfy that. I'm going to make sure that you're satisfied because that's what you want to do. When you have a desire and a passion to live a life that is God-honoring, when that is your goal in life, to honor the Lord with your life and your lifestyle, Jesus said, you know, when that's your goal, I got you covered on that one. I'm going to satisfy that goal. I'm going to let, I'm going to make sure that you are satisfied and you're able to do just that. When your desire is to live a life that looks like Jesus, when that's what you want to do, is that your life reflects Jesus. The way Jesus lived, the way he talked, the way he acted, the way he reacted. He said, when, when that is your life, when that is your desire, when you hunger and thirst to be more like my son, Jesus Christ, in your life. He says what? I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to satisfy that desire. I'm going to make sure that's what happens in your life. When your desire is to pursue a life that is holy. Because God's word says, be ye holy. Well, the world doesn't tell you that. You know, God's word says that. To be holy means to be sanctified. means to be set apart. To, to live a life that, that the world would say, that's stupid to live that way. That's ridiculous to live that way. And yet Jesus said, no, that's, that's how you want to live. Sanctified. Set apart. Holy life. When that is your desire, Guess what? Jesus said, I'm going to satisfy that desire. I'm going to make sure that happens in your life. Nothing can stop me from giving that to you. You see, when we desire for our spiritual needs to be taken care of first, guess what? He's going to do that. And that's what he's promising in this verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be satisfied how is your hungering and thirsting today friends how is your hungering and thirsting do you crave to be closer to the Lord do you fervently seek the Lord in your life do you long to live a life that looks more like Jesus? Yes. The Bible says you'll be satisfied. Or are we people that, that kind of just go, well, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'll fit my, my, my Christian life into my other life. I will live my life, but I will attach to my life this Christianity kind of a deal because I think I need to as opposed to your Christian life and then attaching your personal life 
in your Christian life. We do it backwards so many times. I'm going to live my life and then here's my Christian faith. I'm going to just drag it behind me. As opposed to here's my Christian life. Come on. Come on life. Dragging that behind me. You see there's a big difference in there. It's who is on the throne of your life. And it's who you're seeking first. Are you seeking him first? How's your, how's your hunger and thirst today guys? We have got someday. We've got to get in our minds. And I'm not pointing any fingers. It's all three are coming back at me. We've got to get to the point where we quit playing the game of Christianity. We've got to quit playing the game of, of yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fit it in some weekend when, I, when it feels good. I, I'm going to read my word. I, I just know I am when, whenever I can find the time. I'm going to pray whenever it just seems to be convenient. And we've got to get a point in our lives, folks, that we just absolutely hunger for God's righteousness. We've got to start getting serious about this business because it's serious business. I mean, eternity is serious business. And there's no just tiptoeing through the tulips, if you would, in this life. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. That's what he said. That's not my words. That's his words. And we've got to be stronger in our commitment. We've got to be stronger in our hunger and thirst for the Lord. We've got to be so strong. We've got to crave and fervently want to live a life that's holy, that's sanctified, that's set apart from this old world. And when we begin to do that, you begin, I begin to do that, then the world will see there's something different about you and me. And they'll go, you know, I, I might kind of want some of that, what he's got. But until we get to the point where we hunger and thirst, or thirst after his righteousness, we're going to look just like the world. Jesus said, that's not a suggestion, boys and girls. That's not an amendment. He said, that is a commandment. That is something that should come from you and I. Should flow from us. A heartfelt, fervent desire to have a hunger and thirst for the Lord. Do you seek him passionately? Do you seek him fervently? Do you seek him desperately? And if you do, the Bible says, your spiritual needs will be satisfied. As we begin a time of invitation. My question is this, how is your hunger and how is your thirst? Is your number one priority in your life, is it your relationship to him or is that about third or fourth down the list of big things in your life as we bow our heads and close our eyes I'm going to ask you to do business with the Lord if the Lord has spoke to you and said yeah you've got Christianity you've got salvation you're safe but you've got fire insurance that needs to be changed if you're a person that just all the good works and you don't want to be a holy and sanctified life that needs to change to be righteous before the Lord, pursue righteousness. You got to do both the good works and you got to be righteous. As the piano plays, you do business with the Lord. The altars are open if you need them.